0: I mean, that makes sense. And I think what I'm hearing from what you told me is you kind of do a couple of things at the same time with leaving like these little pieces of you in in the work. You're kind of doing your own therapy in a way. Like you're, you have to be in tune with what you're going through in your life and what is emotionally significant to you. And you have to kind of characterize it in, which is like really hard for people to like say in words, but you're like, you're like taking it a step beyond that and you're putting it in like a physical work um and then every time you see it after that you can reflect on it which is also something like like a lot of people don't do um That's really so that sounds yeah. really awesome
1: yeah there's actually a specific piece that i made so <laughs> when when i was breastfeeding my daughter there's a like there's a certain point where you feel like your boobs are just so kind of like overused and i made this piece where where the, the person is like tucking her breasts into her jeans. And mm-hmm. they're, I'll, I'll send you the image, but um, it, it's just kind of funny and a little grotesque. And the whole experience is it's a little humiliating to feel like your body is just a, like a, a tool basically to keep mm-hmm. somebody alive. But it's also this really incredible transcendent life experience mm-hmm. and when I had my second kid, I was in a similar phase of breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And I remembered I'd made that piece. Mm-hmm. And looking at it, I you know, I laughed because it was funny. And then it, it actually like gave me comfort to see this piece and
0: That sound is so stressful. Okay. Um, yeah. So I I wanted to ask, you mentioned that it, the roundness is very specific for, for an infant's head. Do they all look the same? Is that what you mean by specific? Or is there...
1: I only have is, my children's heads. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> like, but, I, but I do think that, yes, babies have these really... It's almost like two... Almost like a... Like Hitchcock's you know mm-hmm. like Hitchcock's drawing of his face
2: mm-hmm.
1: that were on all of his his films um it's like that where there, it's almost like a figure eight mm-hmm. where there's a, a almost perfect half circle forehead and then a cheek is almost another perfect circle so and then the back of the head makes another perfect circle
2: uh-huh.
1: where humans are, are I mean adults are more angular like forehead is flat and the nose is a triangle and the chin is another triangle maybe but yeah Uh there are these like general um shapes that a lot of like rounded shapes Mm -hmm. maybe children's features are really rounded
0: and are you looking at at it from like from the the profile from the profile? yeah
1: yeah yeah. speaking about a profile yes yeah, Mm yeah yeah um and then if you look at other painters who've painted or drawn children, um, like Alice Neal, has some really great drawings of children. And um, yeah, just seeing the subtleties in line and, and perspective that make the shape of a child's body instead of the shape, the sh- shapes of adults, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's really interesting.
2: Yeah.
0: Did you, did you know, um, have, have you thought about this before having kids or is it something you noticed as you like kind of saw your own like kids grow?
1: Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time drawing myself and other adults in art school. Mm-hmm. And then throughout my, my I think I really started drawing intensely when I was in, in um, middle school and high school. And a lot of what I used to learn were magazines and <laughs> um, other, maybe other paintings as reference Mm
2: -hmm.
1: to learn. And then when you start drawing from life, um, and learning anatomy, you learn anatomy when you take drawing as an art student. So you're drawing from life. That's one of the best ways to learn.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and most of that is drawing adults. So when I had my own children and I started representing them in my work, I did spend some time trying to think of what like what is it that makes a baby look different than an adult mm-hmm. in an image? yeah and a lot of it is just proportion and roundness. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, everything I do is from memory so I'm just I kind of I have these sketchbooks and I just kind of practice mm-hmm. and look at my children sometimes um, just to see you know the subtle differences and a, a lot of it too with adults, maybe I use more information mm-hmm. um, and children, like I think sometimes when I paint a baby, it's just like one or two lines that kind of make the information
2: mm.
1: of that person or of that like small figure, but yeah, yeah.
0: But then, so as the, as the figure you're representing gets like older, you need to use more lines to so like kind of represent anything?
1: I think so. Yeah, and I mean, I think the fun of drawing is you can you can make challenges for yourself. Um, like uh, blind contour drawing is is just drawing without ever pulling the pencil up off the page and not looking at what you're. You just look away while you're drawing, um, and you can do something in one line. Um, but typically, adults have more complicated features and. Um, yeah, and also I think there's something to like. There's a difference between I think when I think about my work, the child is is really simplified, because mm-hmm. I'm not really making work about the child. And there is like, um, like symbolically, like you know, children have they're still developing and they have um, they're almost like a blank slate. So thinking about like the kind of the weight of information in both people, Mm -hmm. um, I I do maybe spend more time putting, you know, like eyelashes and nose shape and um, thinking about how the adult or like the figure of the mother is rendered. And the child is sometimes often these just like quick gestures Mm -hmm. of drawing. Um, But also as I say that, and like looking at a few images I have on my computer one of the things I do focus on in my work is keeping things light and simple and um, keeping the information, like using as little as possible to make the image.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think about it like writing a joke. It's Or like, you know, when you write, you try to make things as simple and clear as possible. And I do think about that when I work.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you spent any time um... I think that that, actually, that makes a lot of sense and have you spent a lot, uh, any time Um, and maybe you have spent a lot and this is like you know uh, I don't mean to just like say it as like I don't know but have you spent any time uh, drawing older people like you know later in life and is that even different from drawing like a more average adult?
1: Yeah I yes I've it's something that I do think about. I haven't really investigated much, um, but I do think a lot about that um, wrinkles, like how to make somebody look older, how a lot of my work is about body image and um, like changes in body and um, and the female body and like the idea of perfection and, um, and really not, expressing perfection but expressing kind of the reality of of just like life and, and living in your body and and then poking fun of imperfections and I have thought of how to draw like wrinkles
2: mm-hmm.
1: on a face and it's um yeah it's difficult. It's difficult. I think in paint it's it's a little easier because you can use color and value to differentiate between mm-hmm. like shadows and light. Mm-hmm with line drawing it can quickly look really cheesy to just draw a bunch of crow's feet around an eye or smile lines Mm -hmm. so I've I've been thinking about it but I haven't spent a lot of time really doing that and my if anything my faces have become more simplified and really just like an eye with eyelashes and eyebrow Mm -hmm. line for a nose and a mouth um Mm
2: -hmm.
1: right because right now the the Goal of my work is to just kind of get these these almost like jokes out, and so I want the I, it's almost like I'm just telling a quick story. I want the story to be very clear, and then the rest is just a part of telling that story. So things are simplified, um, like colors are simplified and lines are simplified. But it but it is it's it's complicated to figure out how to draw an aging person, which is yeah. Interesting. yeah. When I get there, maybe I'll investigate more.
0: We'll, yeah. we'll do a part two for this and then we can. Yeah. We can...
1: <laughs> yeah. I did have, I had a skin cancer under my eye. Mm. And so for a while, I was putting like a little notch in some of my ceramic work, which mm. was kind of fun to just mark that time mm. in my life. And I had, and I'd, for- I'd forgotten I did that. And then I, when I go back and look at the pieces, there's just this tiny little cut here. Mm -hmm. which isn't actually the way that it looks when you get skin cancer removed but it was just my way of just doing a quick mark to to commemorate that thing happening
2: Mm -hmm. um
1: and yeah and and when glaze covers line it fills in that line and sometimes it'll it'll have a different mark there so it's interesting because some of the pieces you can't even tell but I can see it so it doesn't It doesn't necessarily like show, it's not something I'd have to talk about if I didn't want to, it's not obvious, but it's also something that for me was like a mark of this certain time, like a tree ring or something,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, which is like, yeah. I I like putting those like little coded messages in the work that kind Mm -hmm. of mark the time
0: for me. Yeah, do you ever, so you said your goal is not to like, your primary goal is not to share. Is this for you to feel like you put a piece of you in the in what in yeah. what? Okay. Yeah,
1: I think also since um, right, it's I think a lot of what when I'm working, I'm thinking about the present moment and what's happening right now in my life, and um, especially with small children, um, you know, the brain develops quickly. They develop really quickly. They grow fast, and it's it can be kind of traumatizing. <laughs> I know for some people, um, they are, are excited about how quickly, you know, to get past certain difficult times with babies, because it, it can be difficult, but I've, I've really tried to enjoy the entire process, and it does go by really quickly, and so putting in these little markers um, are just, it, yeah, it's like, like coded diary entries or something, like coded markers that just for me, Mark the time passing, and then and then sometimes I'll like you know um, like write something into the ceramic piece that will end up getting hidden into the to the texture of the piece.
2: Mm-hmm. Like you
1: won't see it, but I'll have it there so that later I'll see that and kind of remember mm-hmm. that. Which is I don't know, just like it's just a, kind of a way to to make making the piece more fun.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. my goal is to just always have fun while I'm making work, and so. Adding these little kind of coded elements into the work just makes it a bit more fun for me.
0: <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. And I think what I'm hearing from what you told me is you kind of do a couple of things at the same time with leaving like these little pieces of you in, in the work. You're kind of doing your own therapy in a way. Like you're you have to be in tune with what you're going through in your life and what is emotionally significant to you. And you have to kind of characterize it in. Which is like really hard for people to like say in words, but you're like, yeah. you're like taking it a step beyond that, and you're putting it in like a physical word. Um, and then every time you see it after that, you can reflect on it, which is also something like, like a lot of people don't do. Um, so that's a really interesting. So point. That sounds yeah. really awesome. Yeah.
1: There's actually a specific piece that I made. So <laughs> when when I was breastfeeding my daughter, there's a like there's a certain where you feel like your boobs are just so kind of like overused and I made this piece where where the the person is like tucking her breasts into her jeans and they're I'll I'll send you the image but um it it's just kind of funny and a little grotesque and the whole experience is it's a little humiliating to feel like your body is just like a a tool basically to keep somebody alive But it's also this really incredible transcendent life experience Mm -hmm. and when i had my second kid i was in a similar phase of breastfeeding Mm -hmm. and i remembered i'd made that piece Mm -hmm. and looking at it i you know i laughed because it was funny and then it, it actually like gave me comfort to see this piece and um it was like a little talisman or something for that like part of my experience as a parent, which you know I didn't think about it that way as like therapy, but I do think I do think this whole COVID experience and having two little kids at home um, has been a really interesting experience. And I made art the entire time mm-hmm. about being a parent and about taking care of my children, mm-hmm. and I think it allowed me to to appreciate the closeness. Um, I'd been working a lot before COVID and I felt like I was missing out on my newborn's life. Mm -hmm. And I was so, I was so happy. I was like showing my work. I was, I had openings all the time and I was like basically living my dream life Mm -hmm. as an artist, but I also felt like I was missing out on this brand new baby that I just met and COVID allowed me to have that time with him. But at the same time, it was really difficult to be with two little kids by myself for almost a year. And at the same time I made all these art pieces that I think you're right. I think allowed me to um, express whatever feeling I had
2: mm-hmm. that
1: day to put it down, down on paper or to build it into a sculpture and paint it. And then um, I, I feel okay now. I don't feel mm-hmm. like i am now, um, you know, experiencing the pain or the stress of the last year and a half Mm
2: -hmm. i feel
1: like i've been present with that those feelings and um and i i do think having an art practice was like vital to me Mm -hmm. uh, throughout all of like the really intense parts of covid um and i yeah it's it's very it is it's it's very powerful making artwork is like i think for a lot of artists i know making art is is not a hobby or something that they do for fun it's something you, you have to do <laughs> mm-hmm. to be able to like live healthily in the world
0: yeah yeah it's tough I was I actually recorded a podcast yesterday with uh, someone who does music production uh-huh. and we touched on this exact same subject like you get into something like that because you really love music and you love helping someone put their idea into um a flushed out like digital like, like everything um but then you need money also to live in this world that we live in today um so how do you make sure that you make money but then you never like lose the creative drive that you have inside of you to keep to keep exploring and keep taking like these little risks um that are like i'm not an artist i don't do music i don't do any of that i'm in school so like almost all the opposite um, But it sounds to me, it sounds like you need to have that kind of mental freedom to be able to kind of explore. Um, So I'm curious, do you not feel that? Like kind of, do you not feel, do you never feel restrained in what you you let your mind kind of like do and what you end up actually doing with your work?
1: I think for me, that has been a learning process. Hmm. Um, And I actually think, I mean, we all have to make a living to survive. Um, and I, I like paid my way through college. I worked really hard. I worked like any, I think I started working when I was like 10. I just always, I I knew I, I needed to, I wanted to work and I wanted to be able to take care of myself. Um, and my family situation was that I had, you know, I had to, if I wanted to do anything other than live at home for the rest of my life, I had to get a job and work. And, um, I worked a lot of jobs that were really painful and, and um, not fun. And, and I didn't love them. And I also when I was in high school, I started selling my work. I'm um, but I painted portraits and people wanted me to paint portraits of their kids and friends and family. And it, it was great because I, I could charge, you know, $1,000 per painting as a 17 year old, which which helped me like pay through call co- pay for college, but it was almost impossible. It was really hard because I wasn't making the work that I wanted to make. I was making, I was trying to figure out how to make work that somebody else wanted. And the thing I've learned is that I've done better. Like my career has done better when I'm just doing what I want to do. And I think the balance between the two is I make a lot of work and I always have a lot of work available so there's a lot for people to choose from when they're looking at work to show or to buy and um well, you know when I was 17 and I was making work I was trying to figure out how to have a career and make money and also be an artist and I think the idea was that you wait for people to come to you to ask for stuff mm-hmm. and that doesn't work for me I have to have I have to make what i want and i have to have a lot of it available so that i feel like i'm that's the only way that that works for me now i like i cannot do if somebody asks me to do something just the time that you spend worrying about whether or not it's going to work is just not worth it (laughs) um and but there are also artists who who work the other way where they wait to get um artists who do like public works you know they have they'll have a plan and they have to wait for somebody to approve the plan to get paid to make the work. And I just can't work that way. So I have a practice that's like pretty um, feasible. I make smaller pieces and um, and I just work all the time. I just always have work made so that if somebody comes to me and has a show idea, hopefully I'll have something that fits into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it is. it's so hard. It's it's but it's been I think that's been one of the biggest things that I've learned as somebody just really somebody trying to have a career um doing anything is that for me I have to have independence when I work and I have to have I have to do it the way I want to do it and not do what somebody else is asking me to do
2: yeah
0: do you ever do you think that comes at a price of having to work like do you think? Being able to do what you want to do but then being able to have like a big selection that allows you to you know still make enough money um you, do you think you've had to work harder to like to, to make sure that you're that you have something to like a good amount of things to offer to people or do you think you naturally work at a rate that you end up producing a good amount of things
1: yeah it's it's just easier it's way easier and oh. and i am I, um, I think i just work well when i don't have a lot of pressure on what i'm doing so So I also don't think about whether or not something is good. I just make, I just draw. So right now we're on vacation, which with kids is a trip, not a vacation. Um, And I have, I brought drawing materials so that once a day I can sit down and draw Um, and no pressure. Like I'm here to try to relax and, um, you know, have a nice time, but I also love to draw. So I brought stuff to draw with. I brought some materials to play on, um, like a big canvas and some paints to play on the beach with my kids so that we can all just kind of, you know, make art together. Um, and I, ha- I just have like systems in place so that it's really easy for me to make work. And then um, I love to do it. So it's not hard at all. And if I don't put pressure on myself to make something that's perfect or good, then I can. Um, then I make a lot of stuff, and if some of it is terrible, I might throw it away. Um, but for the most part, I keep everything, and um, more than more likely than not, somebody comes in and loves it and wants to show it or own it or do something with it. So um, yeah, it, it's this is the, the yeah this is everything about what I'm doing now is not hard and not painful, and it's all fun and works for my like lifestyle, basically. Like I found a way to make artwork um, in a way that fits the life I'm living right now. And that could evolve later. And it's it's evolved from the lives I've lived before
0: now. Well, that's awesome, congratulations. Um, I don't think it was, I, you're making it sound like it like you did it and like, I'm, I don't think you're buying that it's easy, but I don't think you're also saying that it was hard. I'm sure it was really hard to be able to come to this realization that you just need to not like let not pressure yourself
1: right right?
2: um
1: yeah Yeah, that that's been the hardest part is to try to figure out it's almost like trying to find out that whole you know we're living in this culture of like wellness and self-care and there's Mm -hmm. there's all like there's this like marketing to try to figure out like who you are and your best self and and that's really I think one of the hardest things for anyone to do is to try to um, like listen to the things that are honest
2: mm-hmm. in
1: your feelings or in your experiences. And for a long time, I was making paintings from photographs, and and I thought I was doing something I like to do. But I'd sit down to work and just dread the amount of time it was going to take to finish this painting that I had an idea of in my head.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, really, just having kids and not having a lot of time to work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was just like, this isn't working, this isn't fun. I don't actually like to do this. I think it takes, it can take years to realize you don't like to do something
2: mm-hmm. and that you
1: need to change it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's, it's you know, something intense happening that that helps you realize that whatever you're doing isn't working and you need to try something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, th- I think the other thing is art is a lot like golf where, or I've always, I've, I've always thought about it as like a long-term, Thing
2: mm-hmm.
1: where I have my whole life to figure it out or to experiment with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think about art as an experimentation. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect. I used to think it had to be perfect.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: and it's also funny, like going to art school and going to, to high school and college, you'd make all of these kind of experimental pieces and you sit in a class and you draw from life and you paint from life and every, every time you think, oh, this has to be, I should hold on to this because someday I'm gonna, you know, this this painting is gonna be worth a lot of money. Or that's like I w- like the way everyone talks in art school. is like, oh, what do you, what do you say? Like, what do you hold on to in case, like just in case you end up having a career where people actually care about what you're doing. And now I'm just, I can't believe the amount of time I spent moving really bad paintings around. <laughs> like from one apartment to another apartment I went to school in Boston also, and I think I moved every year and Mm -hmm. just moving really bad art pieces around that I didn't need to hold on to. And I had teachers who encouraged us to paint on paper bags that we got at the grocery store, just to gesso the paper bags and Mm -hmm. paint on them and to not be perfect with materials because you're just practicing. But I don't think any of us. I think when you're 18, you want to paint on a canvas. You want to be real and do real things. You don't want to paint on a paper bag. And now, you know, it's 20 years later. I'm like, oh right, there's no point in spending money on materials to paint mm-hmm. on when you're 18. Like you're just learning. Um, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's. But but right, it's art is like this lifelong. For me, it's this lifelong endeavor where my goal is to to work in a way where i can sustain that and and enjoy what i'm doing yeah
2: forever
0: do you think 18 year olds are like kind of like in a rush to make it is that why like they think like the canvas and that like if everything's perfect they can just you know put it out there and then like it can just happen um
1: yeah, yeah i think i think for i mean i don't know what it i don't know what your your trajectory has been but i think when you're 18 i think there's this overwhelming feeling of pressure to to well for for me it was i felt this pressure to be self sufficient and to be able to take care of myself and do it in a way that was on my own terms and and so my pressure was coming from like i don't i don't i don't want to have to figure out another career i want to be able to do this so i want to do it well the first time so that i had i don't have you know, so I, I think there's also, when I was in school, there was this um, idea that you would get discovered in college, and that you would move to New York and have, like, instant, you Mm -hmm. know, success, and, and that just, that happens for a handful of people, maybe, Mm -hmm. and really, I think, building a community, and, and having work to show, and there are other things that are more valuable than working quickly, and, and getting like immediate success. Yeah. Like yeah, that might be nice when it's happening, but but um but the majority of the artists that I'm working around now, you know, have spent a lot of time. I think time is really the thing that's valuable is like um spending time developing your your skills and like meeting people and and making mistakes and just living your life. And eventually if you keep up with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Somebody pays attention, (laughs) (laughs) maybe. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But that—that's kind of, I guess, a chance that I think any human has to take on themselves at some point in time with anything. Um, But aren't you almost glad that? I mean, I don't put words in your mouth that it happened the way it did for you, and like maybe, for example, you didn't get discovered on that quickly because you would not have. I think I don't know how any human could learn any of what you just told me now without putting in the time. As you just
2: said,
1: yeah, and I think I think the the thing that gets in, I think you're right. Yes, yeah. I um, the other thing that's nice about having any kind of success is that you can look back on um, awkward or painful or you know experiences where you didn't have a lot of choice in what was happening. You can look back on it and be like, oh, this is exactly what had to happen for this mm-hmm. for my like for my life to be the way it is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I had to go through those experiences, and also a lot of the jobs I had early on that I hated or that maybe were uncomfortable have taught me how to run a business, which mm-hmm. is also something I hadn't, I think at the time, cause I worked in a lot of small businesses and ended up kind of helping run the businesses. And, um, it wasn't what I wanted to do, but now I know how to manage my own business, which is really amazing. And, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I'm not like I'm not floundering in that aspect, and yes, <laughs> super long answer every time. But um, Ooh. but yeah, it's like yeah, you. I think I think everyone should just like your life is going to be what it is, and you have. I I do feel like I have a lot of choice in the way that I live my life, mm-hmm. but um. But ultimately, um, aside from you know gigantic trauma happening, Um, like you get where you're going eventually.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And I've always kind of felt that way. Like I haven't ever been in a huge rush Mm
2: -hmm.
1: to, and I I certainly am not like, I certainly could be more successful than I am right now, but I'm very happy. I'm very grateful to be in the position I am right now and to be able to have a full-time art practice and um, a community of artists I'm working with. And it's like all the things I really value are happening Mm -hmm. which is nice um and yeah i i i I do feel like if i'd had great success when i was 20 23 um i would have been an emotional disaster (laughs) um yeah life just gets easier the older you get so
0: yeah we're saying that but maybe maybe if it it have more success i don't know maybe you'd be somewhere else that's that and you'd be thinking the same thing who knows but (laughs) <laughs> uh, I,
1: I, I also do look at artists who are older. Um, like I think Bryce Marsden, Bryce Marsden is an artist. And I think he like owns a couple of hotels now. It is interesting to see what people do with um, like artists who've had success and, and maybe are still, I think some people are just very driven. And even if they get to a point where they feel like they've gotten everything they wanted out of their career they do something more i do think there's this aspect of like for people who are really driven there's something about like nothing is ever enough and i do hear that a lot with my peers who maybe get to a level where they have gallery representation and have a lot of success it's like there's always this feeling that it's not quite enough and that's also something i kind of think about um like I, I do, I, the other thing is I love like asking questions of people that I admire or people who I feel like have um, like maybe done things that I wanna do.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: like to ask questions and, and see, um, see how other people feel. And, and especially with parenting, like a lot of my friends had kids before I did Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot about what to expect and what to how, like, I kind of felt those emotions before I had them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it made me a lot more calm as a parent. I think then I would have been if I'd been the first of my friends to have a kid or um, mm-hmm. I do like to kind of see how other people do things before I do them so that I can, I kind of like play out those feelings in my head. Mm-hmm then if, some, if I do get to a place where I'm experiencing the same things, I, I'm like, okay, well, this person felt this way,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I know that, so how am I going to approach it, or how am I going to feel? Um, yeah, I think I, like, in general, I try to have, like, an awareness of what's happening
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and maybe, like, what the potential is there, from there, mm-hmm. and it is interesting to see people who've succeeded in the art world and and how they've continued to do other things or um like how they've kind of like positioned themselves in, in the greater world once they've had that success.
0: Mm-hmm. I, kinda, I kinda wonder if um and maybe you know about this uh the artist who mentioned Bryce was his name I think Bryce
1: Mar- I think it's Bryce Mars and I should probably yeah know. if those two I'm gonna,
0: look, I'm gonna look it up later. If those yeah. two hotels are like chain hotels or are they hotels that that kind of he kind of you know put his touch into the he
2: did?
1: Yeah. They're, like, very, very curated, very, nice. like, one is in Tivoli, New York, and I think he might have one in Greece. I might not have that right, but, yeah. It's, like, places that he loved to be, so he opened up a little hotel there, a little
2: hotel, really?
1: yeah, but, but very curated, yeah.
0: That's, that's really inspiring, honestly. Um, yeah. But you also touch on a, on a really good point, and that's something I've also thought about a lot: is how we as humans, maybe not all of us, are like think about this as much. But I also, when I see someone else do something, I always pay attention to what they're doing, um, because I I'm like I've learned so much from just watching other people like make mistakes or not make mistakes or just be like behave on a day-to-day basis, uh, and I think I pick up a lot from that way way more than I do from like going out and like doing my own research or or learning on my own or even making my own mistakes sometimes because when I'm making my own mistakes my emotions are involved and yes. I'm not always in tune with those emotions at the time so I don't even know that I'm making a mistake or what, whatever but when I see someone else I'm completely disconnected I see objectively speaking what they did here was appropriate very appropriate or not appropriate and then I internalize that. Um, right.
1: Yeah. You're so right about emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, and I do like, I think when people express extreme emotions, that's maybe when I learn the most about myself. It's yeah. like, oh, I want to act like that. Or do I ever act like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Right. And you're also in medical school, right? And so you're part of your job right now is to try to figure out where you want to go and a lot of that must come from thinking like seeing what other people have done and and kind of like life you day-to-day life you want to have and
0: that's yeah that's kind of like the best way they tell us to, to figure this thing out is to shadow other positions and see um kind of on paper like how much they're working what they're doing um but then at the same time which we haven't done that much because of COVID. We're not like shadowing really. Um, also seeing what kind of person these people are and the community that they work in and kind of like the gent- like, uh, the sense of, um, yeah, these are gonna be your coworkers ba- basically. So are you gonna get along with them or not? Um, but yeah, that's, that's really what it is. And I think honestly, like for anyone that wants to do anything in life I and mean, they wanna get good at it, I think watching other people do it is probably, I don't know, it might be the best way, honestly, I don't know, other than other than doing yeah. it yourself, I guess.
1: Um. Right, and there's and I think that also kind of goes back to what I was talking about with, with the jobs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think there's also a lot to be said for, for working and just having jobs that, just any job,
2: yeah.
1: jobs that make you uncomfortable Um, One of my mentors in college, when I was um, about to graduate and kind of freaking out about, like, why did I study art? What am I going to (laughs) do? She just, you know, said it's a lot easier to find out what you don't like to do than what you like to do. So, like, internships, um, I know internships are difficult because a lot of times it's hard to find anyone who will actually give you work to do. Yeah. And, and then I feel like internships are really kind of navigating what it's like to be like a new person in a situation and mm-hmm. like learning how, like jumping into a situation and learning socially how to in, like interact. Yeah. And a lot of being an intern is just awkwardly standing around asking for help.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and there's a lot to be said for learning how to ask for help and. Um, but, yeah, but I think, like, working at restaurants mm-hmm. is an incredible way to, to, it's like a crash course in human behavior. Yeah. You learn how to treat people well in high-stress situations and how to accept people treating you poorly. Mm-hmm. You learn so much about class and, um, and, like, different soci- socioeconomic situations it just mm-hmm. yeah I feel like I feel like there's something very humanizing about working in restaurants yeah um, and uh yeah I mean I've, yeah it's like every job I've ever had has been such a valuable experience even if it was just so painful
0: <laughs> I, I agree with the restaurant part I worked uh, my first job ever was um I think I was 15 years old I worked at a um as a cashier at a pizza place and then I moved on to work as a busser at um, like a steakhouse. It was like a really fancy steakhouse. Um, I learned so much from that job. Um, and when I first started, I was so excited about all the new things that I was learning because I was learning like every time I would talk to, to a new table, I was like getting a glimpse into their life that, you know, and I was doing that so many times in one night. Um, and I really, really enjoyed that. But I think I hit a, I hit a point where, I finally accepted that okay I really like this but this is not actually what I want to do with my life and once I learned that this is not once I feel like I learned enough from it and I realized that this is definitely not what I want to do with my life um is to work in the restaurant business I like I couldn't get myself to get excited about the work anymore and like I think I quit within like a few weeks after that um but doing it was one of the best things that have happened to me um i think I, my dad like told me you have to do this uh at some point so i think it was it was his idea um
1: uh, i think you also brought something up that's that's also been kind of a big deal for me is like um being okay with quitting
2: mm. yeah I grew up with
1: a lot of kids who weren't allowed to quit like if they signed up for something their parents made them see it through yeah and then um my parents were very much Like, if you don't like it, don't do it. And I think that in work experiences, um, there can be pressure to, um, and I don't know what it's like to be a man, but I think also from my point of view as a woman, there's this expectation that you, or when I was growing up, there was an expectation that you put other people ahead of your own Mm self-interest. And it took like, I just have an instinct in me that I can't do what I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So I did have jobs where I would go in and work a couple of days and, and just think to myself, this is terrible. Like, this is, I'm not going to do, I can't do this. Like, this is not going to work. Like, the hours are unfair or whatever it was. And I wasn't afraid to say no and mm-hmm. to get out of that job. And then I had some jobs where maybe it took longer to figure that out or I needed i needed the money so i couldn't quit as fast but um i mean i think when you're doing your own when you're when you finally do get to the point where you have a career and you have your own job that or you're doing something that's fulfilling um having the ability to say no and and making those decisions plays into other other aspects of making decisions
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um whether it's like knowing who to work with or um you know, knowing where to work or in what situations to be in. It's, it's also like being able to quit and being able to say no is also a really valuable life skill <laughs> that, can, so. that people can discourage you from having. And it doesn't look good to, you know, quit everything, but it's also really valuable to be able to quit something every once in a while and like yeah. really listen to what you need over what like a job that pays you minimum
0: wage needs <laughs> mm-hmm. was it so you said that it was you couldn't get yourself to do things that you just didn't want to do for what and it was the, the reason was probably different every time i Not just
1: like, type of person i am is when I like when i was in when i was spot yeah <laughs> like i can't do it unless i want to do it yeah
0: my question is is it easy to, to quit because okay say that again was it ever easy to quit because you're making it sound like it was easy for you to quit but i have a feeling that it wasn't was it or was it not
1: depending on the situation Hmm. i think um and i think i think i have like a gut instinct for what's right for me i think the Hmm. easiest thing to do is to know when you're in a good situation
2: Hmm. for me
1: it's always been easy to know when i'm in a good situation
2: yeah
1: um and it can be harder to sometimes it can be harder to realize that you want to quit or that you're you want to do something differently I ran track for like two days in fifth grade <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not a runner so I quit track and it was really easy <laughs> but I think I've had I've had other jobs where or I've done other things where maybe it wasn't as easy it took more time but I think it really it had more to do with um, like I don't think I've ever quit something where somebody's life was at stake if I quit. Mm-hmm. It's always been stuff that's been um pretty low stakes. Yeah. Um and, and situations where I you know where I knew I wasn't being treated properly by an employer or by a situation. So it was it was um yeah and also I'm just not a runner.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I played I played three years I think of high school soccer. I hated every single second of it. I never quit. Um, and I wish I had, I, like, looking back, like, I wish, maybe, maybe something good came out of that horrible experience, but I, I, like, didn't want to let, like, my dad this is you know, like, I don't want to let him down,
2: because, yeah.
0: like, soccer is such a big part of our culture that I, like, yeah. like, I wanted to uphold it, and I wanted to, like, you know, be, and, and <laughs> really funny about running, imagine <laughs> it. So we had, like, preseason before the actual season. And during preseason, we do, like, these timed runs just to, like, you know, get everyone feeling competitive and get in shape. And I would be, like, one of the top three every single time. My mile time was, like, a 5.38. I was really quick. But as soon as I would get on the field to play, I was the slowest guy. I wouldn't run. Like, the coach and my dad would be, like, why aren't you running? And I just – because deep down, I didn't want to do it. Yeah. And – I would, like now that I'm, I, maybe I'm overthinking it now, but I think I didn't want to do it because I was scared to compete, I think. Um, yeah. But then when I would run, I would run quick. So I like, I can figure it out, but yeah. Well,
1: probably that you just didn't care about that. You just, whatever it was, you didn't, it wasn't motivating you. That, and that's exactly what I was talking about earlier about yeah. like the way I've gotten to the work I make now is by having those experiences where I'm like, I love painting, so why is this not fun? And then realizing that that you can still paint and do it differently, Um, and I think one like one of the when you talk to or when I talk to artists, one of the hardest things is like figuring out what to make work about, and also moving on from something that's not working, Mm -hmm. and it takes time, and yeah, and I and it's like paying attention to that feeling of why am I such a good runner but I don't run quickly on the field with a bunch of other people. Yeah, and I'm also not a competitive person, so I totally get that like mm-hmm. I don't have any motivation to beat other people. I just I just want to enjoy myself. And I I in the social part is is fun. So like I want to be in situations where I'm around other people
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm doing something that makes me feel comfortable. Yeah. So I was also always on sports teams, but I was always the one who was the slowest and <laughs> Sat on the side, so- like I, I. think I played softball just because I could. Like I went to a small school and everybody played softball after school, mm-hmm. and I never played once. Oh. And I sat, but it was I was I never it never occurred to me that that was bad. I was like, yeah, I don't want to go out and sit in the sun and be an outfielder and never have anything happen. I just want to sit here with my friends and talk about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, at least
0: we try.
2: said up two days.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I wanted to have the uniform. I wanted to be on the team. I wanted mm-hmm. to hang out with everyone, but definitely not good at sports.
2: <laughs> um, but and I, I
1: do, I do run just to try to stay healthy. And mm-hmm. I think my mile is like I used. To, I think I used to run like maybe eight minute miles, and now I think I run like eleven minute
2: miles.
0: You, you're doing something <laughs> better than nothing um, yeah
2: yeah
0: and I'm not I'm not running at all now uh, I'm wearing like right. a run shirt, but I don't run it yeah um, I Probably realized not. I realized actually that I really like um like strength training a lot because yeah. it was me versus me
2: right so
0: I also I find it really hard to be competitive with other people I think now I'm like growing into it and now I'm like I enjoy playing basketball like and I enjoy like you know being physical and, and whatnot yeah. um, but I really like my favorite is it's me versus me and let's see how hard I can go or let's see like whatever it is that I'm doing um, but yeah so with painting um, you said that you enjoyed it but then what was it about what you were doing at the time that you didn't like was it because that you were painting was this the when you were painting portraits for other people?
1: No, so this is actually yeah, it's I'm trying to think of how to say this without make it a really boring story. Um, so I think there like painting is for me, it's it's um it's almost like a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. Like make like using my hands to make something yeah. is is really I just it's like breathing. I love mm-hmm. it. It's like swimming and breathing. I love just the whole activity of it, like mixing paint and using brushes to paint onto a canvas. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the other aspect of it is figuring out what to make and how to make something interesting. And when you're good at drawing or good at like rendering, there is this pressure to, and I think it's an internal pressure, there's this pressure to like show off how good you are at painting a face or painting a person or mm-hmm. painting whatever it is that you paint and it's it's hard work to figure out how to shake that off yeah. and picasso is actually a really good example of of the trajectory of that mm-hmm. cuz you know his life's work is pretty much all available to see and you see how he went to school with all of these guys who all painted the same trees and they painted the same figures and his student work is, um, is all the same as these other painters that he was studying with. Mm-hmm. And then there was a while where he continued to paint more realistically. Um, and then you get to a point where you just get tired of, it's, it's almost like you reach a point where you've realized you've, you've, um, you've exhausted whatever it is that's gonna happen in that direction
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: and it's hard work to figure out how to shake that off because Mm -hmm. there's an instinct in a lot of artists to always show off how good they are at Mm -hmm. making something. And for me, it was like coming up with a completely different system of working that allowed me to shake off this kind of like boredom in what I was making. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and a lot of it had to do with not having any time.
2: Yeah.
1: It took it used to take me like a month to make a painting. Um, and I got to a point where I just didn't want to I wanted to paint in one day. I didn't want to paint in a month. And so I would go I would drive around with my dog and I would find places to paint outside and I would just make a painting in a day. And it mm-hmm. was when I started working this way, it was I was making these really kind of derivative landscapes.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, because I wanted to be outside. I wanted to see something new and I wanted to paint. Mm -hmm. And then as I had kids, I had like, I'd always wanted to make artwork as a parent. Mm -hmm. I'd I'd, I'd seen other artists, mostly male artists do it throughout art history. And I was just so excited to see how my life changed as a parent and kind of like Mm -hmm. commemorate that time by making work about it and so when i had kids i stopped thinking about anything like all the pressures of what i'm going to make went away because i had this extremely small i think i had four to six hours a couple times a week to work and i was in grad school so i had to make work i had that pressure of like i had to make work i had a really limited amount of time to work and so when i went into my studio i wasn't thinking. Oh, what am, like I didn't have the time to be like what am I gonna do today I just would go in and just do whatever mm-hmm. so one day I think I painted like a banana in the woods like really dumb like just whatever and then that evolved into this body of work and it just happened by giving myself limitations mm-hmm. and and then one of the limitations was like it has to be fun you have to be having fun if you're not having fun no. Then, stop doing it and do something different and and that it's like just those having those rules have made the work more simplified and um, and then from that simplification, I've started you know like essentially writing jokes into the work, like thinking about how how what's the fastest way for me to make this piece funny
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, or what's the fastest way for me to like express this idea into a piece.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then from there, it just kind of like the whole process takes over. And now I don't even think about anything other than having fun and making work. Yeah.
0: yeah. Do you, do you um, is there anything that you think about now uh, or any, I don't know, metric or any quality of the work that you do that you like try, try to on purpose still kind of get better at or improve or maybe a certain skill or is it all just you just letting it, letting it
1: out. Yeah, that, and that changes. And mm-hmm. a lot, so when, so during COVID, I was working from home and I had a kiln at home
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it was the first time in a long time where I could work days in a row.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, every day when I work, I have a goal and it might be a new goal every day. One of them is, cause I feel like after um, a year or so of making, or, I mean uh, a couple of years of making the work that I'm making now, i my goal recently has been to make something beautiful because a lot of my work is like it's colorful and it's funny and maybe more whimsical but my goal recently has been to make something beautiful and i always feel like i fail Mm.
2: because
1: the because really the goal the work it's like i'm not necessarily making work I'm not making decorative work and I'm not making work that for some reason, I can't seem to make anything. That's just beautiful. Like a painting that everybody would want to put on their wall. But I also think that that's not my, my main goal. Mm
2: -hmm. My main
1: goal is to make something that's interesting and funny and, you know, whatever it is that my goals are. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So yes, I have these goals that I'm, usually fail at and then something the the thing is is something else comes out of that so having that
2: mm-hmm.
1: having any kind of goal is interesting because you might not get what you what you thought you were going to get but mm-hmm. you'll get something else instead
2: mm-hmm. and,
1: and sometimes like um like having the kids the days in a row to work are really interesting because I'll start with one idea and then by the end of the week, I'm at a completely different place. Mm -hmm. I recently made a piece that is trying to show the growth of a pregnant body. Mm -hmm. And I made this drawing that shows like the, basically um, a silhouette of a belly as it grows and there are nine months. So there are nine different phases of development and I did look at pictures of my own body to see how it transformed to make the shape because there are these very specific shapes of, your, your body isn't just a half circle the entire time you're pregnant. There are these like more specific shapes that transition between pregnancy, like the beginning of pregnancy to birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then like, as I was thinking about, really what I was thinking about is making like 18 months of showing the transformation of the body as the baby grows in your body and then as your body transitions afterwards. Because I think there's this idea that the moment you have a baby, your body is, looks the way that, or should look the way it did before you were pregnant. And it actually takes like a few months for the muscles to go back down and for your uterus to shrink and for all this stuff to happen. And I was thinking about making something that would show both. And I kept thinking of the term biological clock.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And as I was working, I, looked, I researched biological clock, thinking I would come up with pregnancy. And the biological clock is really anything that is the body's natural um, like system of timekeeping. So sleep, like circadian rhythm, is a form of biological clock. And um, I can't, you might actually know this better than I do, but there's something about like bacteria and like microbiome that's also a biological clock, which I don't quite understand, but maybe digestion, maybe that has to do with digestion. I can't can't remember what the different, there are all these different forms of biological clock. And it was just so interesting to read because the term biological clock has so much weight on it for women and there's, for most women or most, you know, people who decide to birth, there's this incredible pressure at a certain age to have a baby or not. And if you don't make that decision, then are you going to be sad or depressed for the rest of your life? Or if you do, is your life going to be affected by it? Is your career going to be affected by it? So I was thinking about the weight of this term and then actually really surprised to learn that that it was about everything, like all of our body systems that keep time for us. And um, and so now I'm working on a series of, of things that are about these different cycles of biological clock, which is like I got to from one point to another in a matter of a week by just making this one piece of art. So mm-hmm. that's like, it's just having, yeah, like having time and working is, a really interesting way to get to a different goal
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it probably is going to be something that you didn't expect um yeah. but that's the beauty of making art is it doesn't have to be any one
0: specific thing and having i guess having the goal then also having the patience that you are still living in the moment while you're getting there or on the path to get there because then you'll get insights like you just did and mm-hmm. um i just uh, i want to understand a little bit better so you were trying to make the first piece with the body contour, thinking that this is on par with your goal to make something beautiful. And then you started, no? Okay, all right. No, No. <laughs> I mean, it,
2: could be. I,
1: yeah, yeah, it could be, it could be, it could be. Yeah. And I think I think really, So. so that is like, I wanna make this piece about pregnancy
2: mm-hmm.
1: and about the way the body changes. That's mm-hmm. my number one goal. Yeah. yeah. And then in the back of my head, I'm like, I know it might not be beautiful. So maybe the next time I make something, the next thing I'm going to make, I'll focus on making something beautiful. Okay. And then in the meantime, I make ten pieces
2: mm-hmm.
1: that have nothing to do with beauty. Yeah. But are more about the the transitions between this first idea of showing pregnancy and maybe the tenth idea I have that comes from just. Maybe feeling a little, a lot of my work too is rooted in shame and like, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and it's like that feeling you described of wanting to quit playing soccer, but not really being able to. It's like making work about that feeling in any way that it appears. And so, so even just not like wanting to make something beautiful and maybe feeling like I can't, that's, that little guilty experience goes into the way that I make the work Mm -hmm. and it changes like a domino effect it all changes the course of how everything works out and i might I might make 10 pieces and maybe one of them is beautiful <laughs> mm-hmm. but most likely they'll be more like funny and silly and colorful and other things
0: yeah um i kind of wonder why you have that goal to make something beautiful because it doesn't sound like it's it's your own goal potentially <laughs> but, we, but we, we can get back to it um i wanted to ask Do you give um enjoyers of your art any context onto what was going on in your head when you made this specific piece because it sounds like i don't know if you do or not but it sounds like there's a lot of value in everything you just told me um that for someone who's seeing the 10 pieces of work that you made about biological clocks and that concept you've been thinking about um it could be really it, it could enrich the process of of enjoying your art potentially i don't know but
1: right I'm... so so um so i think as an artist um with some ed, you know art education a lot of what it's like you make work not knowing how it's going to be seen in the world so you hope that it's seen by the right people and in the in the way that you intended to be to yeah. be seen but you also make it knowing that once you're finished with it, it's out of your control. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think a lot about a lot of things when I work. Um, I don't wanna hurt people with my work. So I'm thinking about um, like the work has become more representation of my own experiences physically. Like I have this character characterization of me who's like the the, um, the medium for telling these stories or like bringing up these conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, And then otherwise um, interviews and experiences like this are a great opportunity to talk about the work and have some form of like written interviews are great too because there's some sort of record that people can find when like if somebody buys a piece of mine they can find interviews and get a greater context for what I'm thinking about when I'm working. Mm -hmm. Um, And then recently I had this really incredible experience where I had a show in Brooklyn and um, it was a ceramic show, and I had, there was a table set up in the gallery, and I asked if I could work at the table while the show was going on, and they said yes, and the show was up for two months, and so I was actually able to talk to people as they came into the gallery, which is not something you normally can do. Normally, you have a show, and you're there at the opening, and maybe at the closing, and you make appointments with people to come and visit while the show's up, but aside from that, you don't really have a lot of contact with the people who are visiting the show but this one show I had I was there almost every day and I was able to talk to people as they came in and talk to them about the work and it was incredible for me as an artist to be able to say because also when you're working you're not talking to yourself about your work while you're working or while I'm working I'm not sitting there in my studio talking to myself I'm thinking deeply and I'm you know I'm trying to to get something out, but um, really looking at the work and thinking about it um, in front of it with other people is an incredible learning experience. And I also was able to, exactly like like we're doing now, I was able to talk about like my goals and my intentions and how I came to, to the piece that I made. And um, yeah, and it's incredible. It's incredible to, to have that experience, but it was a very unique experience. Um, and the other thing is, um, artists do studio visits. So on a regular basis, I have people come and visit my studio. So any anyone who's interested in my work can email me and ask to come and do a studio visit. And in those visits, I'm also able to give some context for the work that I've made and talk about like what I'm working on and um, and really have these these um, candid experiences that help the work develop and help. Um, contextualize the work for other people
0: i think i say that because i like saw some other things you posted. i think on your instagram account but now after this conversation i'm like really 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 curious because now i know some of the background of like what you might have like now i have maybe a hint of what you could mean in in something that i see um now it's going to be fun to try to see if i can figure it out um but maybe that's not the point of, of of it but um yeah <laughs> that, that's why I am.
1: yeah well it is also interesting um making work that's very specific to motherhood and to
2: mm-hmm.
1: to birth um because i think there's this for some people there's this idea that it only relates to women or to people who've given birth mm-hmm. and what i found making the work is that actually um you know, everyone, has, everyone is born from someone who has given birth to them in one way or another. And there are complexities to that. And it can be that you don't know that person any longer, or it can be that that person's um, an incredible part of your life or that they've died or that, you know, they've, it's just, it's really incredible. Like making this work um, has opened up a lot of conversations with people that I wouldn't have expected. Um, like people come to me when, with stories that are very private and share very private things with me. And I I happen to be somebody who's very open to that and, and really love having those conversations like about abortion or about um, miscarriage or in, infertility or, hold on, sorry, one second. What? Sorry, the dog just came back inside. Um, yeah, it's it, making this work has been a really interesting experience. and um, And also like, I guess learning how to, I think there's this idea that things that are unknown about our culture are not interesting to everyone. And it's not true. I think it's just that some people don't, know how to talk about different issues and making artwork about things that are maybe invisible to some people um, just opens up those conversations. And uh, there's also this idea that a lot of things that are are kind of hidden from culture, a lot of like things that are related to women's bodies, um, you know, people who uh, identify or who, um, I don't mean to say women like specifically, um, but people who birth and people who bleed is that like, there are these ideas, there are ideas that, that, um, that these things that, that people spend a lot of time hiding about themselves um, are, they don't, they don't exist. And, and making work about these experiences opens up a conversation to normalize a lot of this stuff that, um, you know, like, I've spent a lot of my time hiding, a lot of my life, like, hiding really normal aspects of my, my life to make other people comfortable. But, um, like, is that really a good use of time? And I don't know. That's all, that's all stuff that I think about when I work is, like, um, not necessarily, like, changing the way other people do anything. But just thinking about, like, what makes me uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. And I make work about it. And why do I feel uncomfortable? And will making artwork about it make me feel more comfortable? And and it does. Um, yeah, and I've, I've had a lot of conversations with people about body image and this question of like, does making work about body image make you feel better about your body? And I think it does. I think just because you, I think in a way making work about it, you have to be confident about who you are because It feels inauthentic to make work about it and then pretend like you aren't Mm -hmm. um and at the same time um yeah it's like just addressing the issue is cathartic and is a comfort and shows you how just ridiculous it is to care about things like other than like love and and (laughs) i don't know whatever it is that's important is um yeah
0: yeah, you're 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 singing my song right now. I always preach. I think love is the most important thing on the planet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does it ever get easier to to get out of your comfort zone in this way, or is it always kind of the same uncomfortable feeling for you? Yes,
1: um, I think the more I kind of made work about like really taking discomfort and shame and um and like uh like making fun of it, like the humor and shame and the humor and discomfort, the more I've kind of made fun of that in my work, the easier it is, yes, yes. Like I, anytime something ridiculous happens, I have, yeah, I have like tools now that just, I laugh at things or I just don't care. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of parenthood is just being, is having, you know, you get, dressed up and then you immediately get food all over your clothes or you (laughs) or you you know go like I bring my son to the ceramic studio sometimes and it's just a disaster but it also is a very limited amount of time in my life that I'm going to have these experiences and they're funny and and it's fine yeah
0: I'm glad you yeah. mentioned that because I think you mentioned jokes earlier on when we first started speaking. And I wanted to ask you about it. Is, is humor a tool that you've always used? Um and define like jokes when you say jokes in your work. Cause I I kind of I want to hear more about it.
1: Right. So I I love humor. I grew up with a bunch of people who are now comedians. I love funny people. I'm attracted to funny people. Um, I have never thought of myself as, like, somebody who can write a joke or perform as a comedian, but I do, I think, bring humor into many situations as, like, a, like a tension reliever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, I'd much rather be, like, a clown than, <laughs> than serious. Um, and for some reason the situation of parenthood has made it really easy to point out these comedic experiences. Yeah. It's just been like, it's almost like a language that I learned and quickly understood
2: mm-hmm. and can
1: translate in a way. It's just, it's just, for some reason, it's really easy to see how funny a situation is and then figure out how to translate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, Sorry, one second. Okay. Um Yeah, and then as far as um Yeah, I don't remember what we were talking about. But but yeah, that but the humor just for whatever reason it's it's easy to to make especially with drawings it's just the way that a drawing is made and the way a joke is written are pretty similar
2: yeah.
1: um and so it's and the, and the more i do it it's like the more i kind of make these drawings the more experience there is to kind of think about what the punchline is mm. um and I don't actually, I know there's a technique for joke writing and I don't actually know what that is, but, but, um, but in my own work, I, I, make, I make a drawing and then it might be more sweet
2: mm-hmm. than
1: funny. And I'll have that drawing and look at it and think about it and then have maybe a life experience that is ridiculous and then realize that these two things together are actually funnier so one of them is I made a drawing holding my son in this like really intimate embrace and then realized that I've spent a lot of time, like children never wanna leave your side. So the moment you have a baby, you're trying to go to the bathroom and you have to like hold your baby while you're going to the bathroom because otherwise your baby's gonna cry the entire time. And it's just so stressful. It's just way easier just to hold your baby while you go to the bathroom. And I realized that I hadn't seen that in artwork and that that would actually be a funny drawing. Mm-hmm. And so I put the two, like the really sweet draw, drawing of holding my son into a drawing where I'm sweetly snuggling with my son while I'm on the toilet and then made that into a ceramic sculpture. And so many people, you know, it just for like this is my life like this has literally been my life since Mm -hmm. i've had a baby and it's it's also it's that's also an example of kind of like a coded experience that might not make sense to somebody who hasn't had that experience but also it's just like a ubiquitous experience for parenting like every single person who's had a kid has sat on the toilet with their kid Mm -hmm. while they're going to the bathroom and it's so ridiculous and a little it's just something you'd never tell anybody but turns out everyone does it so yeah but yeah right humor I feel like humor is it comes very easily in certain ways um and it's very important I love humor yes
0: I think you're speaking of it very lightly but I think that's a really good quality that not a lot of people have is being able to make something is to find the humor in something that is I mean you're saying it's not that I think it's pretty serious like when someone thinks about when I think of pregnancy to me because I don't I don't know too much about it as you know um as you just said um I don't know how I would find something funny in it but because you've lived it and you've accepted it and you've dealt with it and all and all that you can find the humor in it and then you can connect with people who experience the same
2: thing.
1: yeah, and I think at the at the like the basis of my work and the basic the basis of all of these experiences is like imagining a situation where you're completely vulnerable, and at the same time, you're completely exposed, which is a lot of I mean a lot of experiences of being with a doctor are similar to that where you have patients who are, or, you know, when you go to a doctor, you're generally like very vulnerable and very exposed at the same time. Um, And birth is like a really great example of that because um, there's absolutely no way you're gonna look good giving birth Mm -hmm. to a baby and people still try. and, And there's so much like involved in a baby being born that is so humiliating. And so, um, also so unknown, and it's also just really funny. Like I think people think of birth as being really grotesque and and something that they don't even want to see, mm-hmm. but the actual like play by play of it is is absurd and and just and right and it's like the tension between vulnerability and and. Um, and the inability to to protect yourself from that vulnerability can be really funny in certain situations and parenting is one of them because it's like the goal is to keep my main goal is just to keep my kids alive <laughs> and and so much can happen to me in the process of that that's really humiliating and like um and it's and that type of humiliation is like Easy to exploit as humor because it's not about, it's like, it's still, it's there's something like um, sweet about it that keeps it from being, it's different than like artwork that's sexually exploitative or, um, yeah. It's, and, it, and in a way, it's kind of like an untapped mine because for so long it's been a hidden um, aspect of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the art world. Like there are definitely people who make work about motherhood and childbirth, but it hasn't gotten a lot of attention. So in a way it's like this incredible well of, of things to make work about because they're, um, they haven't been like overdone. Whereas like a landscape um, like a painting of the ocean is so derivative that you go anywhere, you can go to any thrift store and find a painting of the ocean. And it loses its value because it's so overdone. And it can be beautiful and you can find beautiful pictures of the ocean to put on a wall. But as far as making art, it's hard to make that picture interesting without doing something extreme or without having some sort of like creative genius that can explore the ocean in a new way. Um, Yeah. So really making art about motherhood and childbirth is just really easy.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, if I tried to do it, it wouldn't be easy, right? Even yeah. no matter how good I was um, at, at drawing or painting. Um, right, yeah. But how do you see your, your work um, changing or maybe not changing or evolving? I guess evolving is a better word here. Evolving um, as your kids grow, is it gonna be so centered about motherhood as you keep going or do you think you see it evolving in a a different direction
1: yeah so so making work the way i do where i make something new every every time i'm working like that day um that process until that stops working like that's a really good measure of like what is going to happen in my work because my work will just keep evolving as my life evolves Mm -hmm. um and i think um yeah i i I think now that ceramics have kind of taken a larger place in my practice i'm really interested to see how like sculptural elements will evolve in my work
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and then um as far as content it's hard to say i've i've always kind of made work that's a little bit autobiographical so i imagine that the work will evolve in that way um and and i do think that there's this kind of what we talked about earlier there's this kind of natural time limit to what I make Mm -hmm. where I get to a point where I'm just I feel like I've done what I can do with it and it's time to do something different Mm
2: -hmm. so I'm
1: guessing that the work will evolve there's also the chance that I'll be so sad that my kids are old that I'll just continue to make (laughs) work about them being babies forever um, which is highly unlikely but there is this like sadness to parenting that I don't think people really talk about that has to do some of my friends who've had two kids talk about having this like depression after having their second kid, because they realize that they're not going to have any other kids.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: that it's just sad to think that, that you won't hold another baby or um, have these experiences again. And I think that's something really, that's something that I'm kind of listening to and paying attention to and wondering like if I'm gonna feel that way. And um, and I, I do think that that like the, there's, there are three elements in my work. There's humor, um, there's the abject, and there's, um, oh my God, <laughs> I forgot what the third one is. Um, uh, there's joy, there's humor, and there's the abject. And I think there's another element that I don't really like, haven't really, addressed directly, but I think it also affects the way that I make the work. And it's um, it's like um, the idea of death and like kind of the more um, like serious feelings that I have that also relate to these experiences that aren't easily translated. So like, um, you know, like the fear of losing my children is like a big thing I think about and and i like as i hear my peers talking about their it's like the anxieties of of life or something that's also something i'm really interested in and i don't really know i think there's also like a superstitious element in me that's like afraid of making work like that because because like that's so it's like had like the day my daughter was born i started to realize the like weight of death. Like, I'd never really thought about it before. And then I realized like I couldn't die. Like because she existed, I couldn't ever die. Like I just had to be alive forever. And I think that those are also really interesting feelings and thoughts and, and um, yeah. So I have no idea how the work will evolve.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're one of the most um, emotionally tune people I've ever talked to in my life. I say that very honestly, um, and I, I don't want to keep you any longer. I know you have two kids who are probably waiting for you right now. Thank you so so much.
1: Yeah, thank you.
2: Yeah, thank Can you.
0: Describe you. to you how how grateful I am for you being so honest with me and taking the time to speak to like a random stranger, right? Um, and if there's anything that you would like to to share with people who are listening, and I'll Maybe I'll make a clip or make it into writing and I'll include it in the post uh, about your work where they can find you, where they can contact you.
1: Yeah, so I have a website, which is my name, MadelineDonoghue.com. I have an Instagram where I show works in progress and some um, you know, recent works, which is at Madeline Donahue. And then um, my one of my sculptures was just acquired by the Museum of Fine Arts Boston. And I think it's gonna be oh, really? on display later this year. So I'll keep you in touch about that. And um, hopefully we can all go see it.
0: That's awesome. Uh, also, all well, students get, I think at least in my school, we get free tickets to the MFA. So I'll, yeah. I'll definitely be there.
1: <laughs> I Actually, I took classes in the MFA as an undergrad at Tufts in the museum school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really cool. I walked by the Egyptian wing on my way. They have these little um, small rooms in the museum that Mm -hmm. they they had class. Like basically we just have a projection on a wall with chairs. Um, I don't even understand what the rooms were for, but it must've been like small conference rooms or something, but it was really awesome to walk through the museum to go to school. So it's exciting to know that one of our pieces will be there now.
0: That's awesome, congratulations. Um, Awesome, Um, anything I can help you with other than sharing this information?
1: Yeah, thank you, yeah. (laughs) Awesome. I'll just call you for medical advice later.
0: Oh. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good idea. I promise. <laughs> but I can I can potentially have a good amount of classmates that I can uh, okay. to connect to. It. We'll,
1: we'll outsource. Yeah. Yeah. Nice uh, to meet you.
0: Enjoy your vacation. Thank you so, so much.
1: Yeah. yeah talk to you later.
2: Bye-bye. Bye. It's going to take me a second to figure. OK. Bye.